Sister Bear got so jealous, she couldn't stand it. Mama followed her into the house. Sister, said Mama, I think you may have been bitten by the green-eyed monster. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week we are continuing our spooky coverage of spooky subjects by delving into the world of monsters and mythologies in bear country. Last week, we explored what it meant to be afraid in bear country, what it meant to have real fears as both a child and a parent. But now we're going to look a little deeper. We're going to look a little more metaphysically at what horrors await in bear country and most specifically we're going to look at 1992's the berenstain bears get jealous yes this is another berenstain bears cub club look ma i'm reading book 1992's the berenstain bears get jealous before we begin our actual discussion i want to give you a quick rundown of the story proper In the book, Brother Bear is having a birthday. It's his birthday, and he's gotten a lot of keen new things for his birthday, but one of the keenest new things he's gotten for his birthday is a brand new bicycle. Sister Bear sees this bicycle, and she is overcome with jealousy. She's so overcome with jealousy, she can't even enjoy Brother's party. Now, Mama notices she's getting this little gleam in her eye, and she takes her inside and tells her that Sister better watch out because... She is under the spell of a thing called the Green-Eyed Monster. And, of course, when Sister Bear goes to bed that night, she dreams about Brother Bear's bicycle, dreams that she steals it, tries to ride it. It's so big, she crashes it. The next day, she tells her parents that she no longer is under the influence of the Green-Eyed Monster. And she even tries to ride Brother Bear's bike, but can't quite do it. So realizes that it's too big a bike for her anyway, and she's better off with her old bicycle. And that's pretty much the book. And if it sounds familiar to you, well... Guess what? You're right. It is the exact same plot as the Berenstain Bears and the Green-Eyed Monster with a couple of little changes. We'll get to those little changes in a bit because I've already discussed this story. I had on my good friend Brad McIntyre and we talked about the Green-Eyed Monster and jealousy and jealousy in bear country and sister bears jealousy and balsa wood and things like that. So today I want to actually talk about something a little bit different in regards to this book. I want to talk about monsters. I want to talk about monsters in bear country. I want to talk about the monsters we encounter in bear country, and specifically one very insidious monster in bear country, the green-eyed monster. Now, bear country has its share of monsters. We know that the bears in bear country believe in certain types of monsters and that they have at the top of Mount Grizzly their very own personal monster, Big Paw. But we also know they believe in ghosts and goblins and things like that, spooky, scary skeletons and all such other Halloween-y creatures. But there is this one monster, the green-eyed monster, that has popped up no fewer than four times within the course of this series, four times. The Green-Eyed Monster appeared in the Berenstain Bears and the Green-Eyed Monster. It also appeared in the Berenstain Bears and the Green-Eyed Monster television episode. But if you remember, it also appeared in the Berenstain Bears and the Bermuda Triangle, which dealt specifically with jealousy and avarice. And now it's back in the Berenstain Bears Get Jealous. 
What is the green-eyed monster? Well, in the world of the books, from a literary perspective, the green-eyed monster, and this isn't just a Baron Stain Bears thing, we know that the green-eyed monster is a term people use in real life as well. The green-eyed monster is a representation of a person's jealousy, their avarice, their want for something that is not there. And we say that when a person gets jealous of what another person has, when a person covets another person's belongings, we say that they are under the grip or being taken over by or been apparently bitten by the green-eyed monster. It's a metaphor. It's a way of, of uh, you know, making manifest our feelings about something so that we can separate them from ourselves and deal with them on a, uh, a more even keel. Uh, it's a good way of talking to children about things, saying there's, you know, a, a monster that lives inside you and you got to tamp it down. You got to keep it from taking over. You're stronger than this monster that lives inside you, this thing that wants you to have more things, this green-eyed monster. You're bigger than that, kid. Buck up. Stiff upper lip, fight the, fight the monster. But what if it's beyond metaphor? What if the green-eyed monster is actually a presence in bear country? Now, bear with me. We're going to get weird. Let's talk about Berenstain Bear's continuity. Oh, no. You may be thinking to yourself, I don't want to talk about Berenstain Bear's continuity. It seems you're kind of obsessed with Berenstain Bear's continuity these days, Philip. I am. I am obsessed with Berenstain Bears continuity. Things are kind of coming to a head here. I'm, I'm kind of talking about a lot of concepts. I'm kind of trying to put a bunch of ideas together here about bear country. But don't worry. We're going to talk about the bears. But what I really want to talk about is what is reality in bear country? What is real and more specifically, what is canonical in bear country? And I don't just mean what counts in the stories, because as we all know, canon is what you are currently reading. Canon is what is in front of you. Canon is also what you accept as canon. But what is canonical metaphysically in bear country? What is real? What is reality? What's tangible in bear country? I have a theory. Stick with me. So there are several different Berenstain Bear continuities. We've been over this. There is the Cub Club continuity. There's the TV continuity. First time reader continuity. Big chapter book continuity. Bear Scouts continuity. Yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on. Through the bath books. All kinds of continuities in bear country. Now I have this theory that the more different continuities... A character exists within the quote unquote realer they become the more they actually exist in the world of the Berenstain Bears as a whole so for instance a character like Ferdy Factual he is in the big chapter books but he also appears he also appears in the cartoon. Ferdy Factual is a little more real than, say, well, Bermuda Bear. Bermuda only appears in the big chapter books. So Bermuda is less real in the world of the Berenstain Bears because she doesn't cross continuities. She doesn't have a presence within multiple continuities. Think of it like layers. Think of it like... Uh, 
Think of it like an MRI, or what's the machine that like slices your images into layers? Is that an MRI? Think of it like that. Like each continuity is a slice. Your main continuity, your first time books, are the middle slice. They're the biggest one. The the the, the base. They're right in the center. Like everything is everything comes from that core concept, the Berenstain Bear. So you could say it's the it's the uh, like the Dr. Seuss books because they started it all but that's not the core of the bears anymore the stories around which all the other stories form as you move away from that core uh, living light series the uh the 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 i can read series uh further and further out and i guess to you to the end you would have like the atari 2600 game would probably be the ultimate far out, maybe a set of puffy stickers uh the slices get smaller and smaller and smaller they remain the same thickness though right but the more a character appears within layers the thicker or more tangible they are so someone like brother bear or papa bear mama bear or sister no not sister bear someone like brother mama or papa is about as thick as you can get character wise they exist across all continuities there's not one iteration of the berenstain bears in which brother mama or papa does not exist at all times they have always been there they will always be there they are our constants right sisters a close close second as far as like stickiness and thickness of bear reality goes sisters sisters following hard behind her presence has been bolstered by the fact that she is she is canonical for everyone who knows the bears mama papa brother and sister they're all all those four right there honey isn't as sticky she doesn't appear for as long or across as many continuities sorry honey you're less sticky all right a character like big paw he is in the chapter books he's appeared in storybooks he's appeared in cartoons and specials Pretty sticky character. Actual factual is the same. So you get what I'm saying? These characters cut through slices. If you had a, well, a bear. Say you had an actual bear in front of you. Standing in front of you. And it was, it was inert because it is a false bear. And you sliced it into, into, into thin slices. Or like some kind of like maniacal cheese slicer. It just went slice right down through the complete bear. And you looked at each piece. Running through that bear, all the way through, from one side to the other, is the reality of mama, papa, brother, sometimes sister, a little bit sister. She doesn't go all the way to the edges. She's not quite there. But then you get something like the green-eyed monster. The green-eyed monster, which exists across, well, one, two, three, four separate continuities. First-time books, cartoon, Big chapter books, Cub Club. That's a pretty sticky character for a character we don't think of as being part of the Berenstain Bears proper. But what is the green-eyed monster? Well, within the context of the books, the green-eyed monster is a representation of the jealousy within each bear. The green-eyed monster looks like the bear it represents, except green and with horn and lizard eyes, and also an evil grin. Because the green-eyed monster is a negative emotion. It's a negative feeling. But what really is the green-eyed monster? Let's take a quick detour. I want to talk to you for a second about a concept called the doppelganger. Doppelganger? Doppelganger? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a German word. 
When I click on listen to how to pronounce it, it just sounds like English. It sounds like doppelgangers. The doppelganger is an old word. It means double goer. Uh, it also means to many people a twin stranger, which is not a twin like someone you know, but a twin you've never met before, you have no association with, but who looks exactly like you. Uh, doppelgangers have appeared throughout mythology, uh, going as far back as we can tell to like to the 1700s. Uh, but it's not until recent years, uh, I guess 1600s. Wow, like looking back as far as it goes, they go back pretty far. It's not until recent years, though, uh, relative, like relatively recent, like 20th century, the doppelgangers really started taking on a more malevolent feel uh, as far as the, they appear in literature. Uh, leading up through, say, like the new Twin Peaks series, which features doppelgangers prominently and to a very malevolent degree. Uh, the doppelganger is, a, is, a, is, is, for all our purposes, is a malevolent presence, sort of the the flip side of yourself, the e mirror universe version of yourself, the the an a, the, the jealous uh, negative version of you that exists to more or less supplant you as a person to take over for you here on earth, and that's where they get their that's where they get their negative connotations from. A uh, doppelganger will appear and take over your life, uh, sometimes take away your energy, sometimes take away your life force, what have you. Uh, doppelgangers are no good. You don't want them around. Uh, people can't tell the difference between you and them, although you believe it is quite clear who is whom. I also want to talk about a, a creature called the tulpa. You may be familiar with this term as well. Uh, the tulpa, uh, most people say that the tulpa comes from... Uh, like uh, Buddhism, like Tibetan beliefs, but what we think of as the tulpa, uh, the modern tulpa, is 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 a is a as a distant distant relative to those original original beliefs. It was 20th century theosophists, and if you want to know more about theosophy, if you want to know more about Madame Blavatsky and her whole deal, uh, read up on it because I'm not going into it, but uh. The theosophists took uh, elements of a bunch of different religions and kind of created their own thing with a lot of like magic and, uh, and this whole like pursuit of there's a lot of like white supremacy and weird stuff going on in there. But the concept of the tulpa, the what we think of as the tulpa today, was co-opted by them and turned into something else. Uh, I believe in, in, in Buddhist thought, the tulpa was like using your mental powers to uh, to to make manifest something that you know, only occurred in your mind. But theosophy sort of took that and twisted it into a character or a creature, uh, sometimes an inanimate object, but usually you hear it in the form of like a creature that exists only in the imagination, but that you have made manifest by your intense belief in it. Think of, uh, think of the gods in Neil Gaiman's American Gods, who exist only because people believe in them and worship them. That's kind of a tulpa. Uh, it's, it's, it's a creature that you didn't intend to bring to life. Um, and, and frequently malevolent in stories, uh, everything from the X-Files to Supernatural to, uh, I, I believe, even Twin Peaks again uh, had a tulpa uh, in, in it. A, a, a creature, uh, uh, an entity who was brought unbidden into our world. Uh, think of uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, the way Freddy Krueger is portrayed in that, how he was a, a character in a story who then became real. 
that's that's a that's a tulpa. We're talking doppelgangers and tulpa, and I suppose the most dangerous of all, the doppelganger tulpa, uh, a creature who looks like you, who was pulled unbidden into our universe. And now let's go back to the Berenstain Bears and talk about the green-eyed monster. Uh, as far as I can tell, the green-eyed monster in the world of the Berenstain Bears is a classic horror-ish tulpa. It is a a creature that began as a parental way of explaining a concept that children might find it hard to wrap their heads around. But, but it took on a life of its own. And how did it take on a life of its own? Well, we're going to deal now with the, the, the stickiness of continuities and uh, the overlapping of realities. So buckle in, muchachos, because here we go. When Mama Bear presents the concept of the green-eyed monster to Sister, she explains what it is, and Sister gets an idea of what the green-eyed monster is in her head. That night, Sister Bear falls asleep and dreams. She has a bad dream about the green-eyed monster. When she wakes up in the morning, she's still under the sway of the green-eyed monster. Now, this is where things get troublesome, because we've established in the Berenstain Bears that there is a separate continuity, a separate world, called the Dreamlands, uh, Brother's Dreamlands, Papa's Dreamlands, and to a lesser degree, Sister's Dreamlands. We only see those literally within the context of dreaming. However, Sister Bear has taken something, a, con a concept of a creature from outside the Dreamland and brought it with her into the Dreamland. Now, in a normal world, in our world, in our existence, for instance, this wouldn't be a problem. We do that all the time. We take concepts that uh, that exists only in our imagination or only in the abstract to us, uh, uh, the Easter Bunny, um, uh, you know, a religious figure, even a celebrity, and we bring them into our subconscious and interact with them in a dream. Sister Bear has done this as well. However, the dreamlands in Bear Country, the dreamlands are their own continuity. They have a validity that the dreamlands do not possess in the human world. In bear country, the dreamlands are established. They are an actual place. The reason I can say this with confidence is because they have their own books. They have their own series. That establishes them as a tangible continuity. Sister Bear has brought an abstract thought into the dreamlands. Now, we've seen... Okay, so... In the dreamlands, we tend to deal with concepts that exist only within the dreamlands. Think about Brother Bear's shed in Inside, Outside, Upside Down. Inside, Outside, Upside Down has a shed that does not actually exist in the Berenstain Bears world. It is not the Bear family's shed. They don't have a shed like this. Uh, at least at the time the book was written, they didn't. Uh, but Brother dreamed about it. Uh, but it is established firmly that it was a creation of the dreamlands. It stays within the dreamlands. Brother didn't create it in the outside the dreamlands and then dream about it because, uh, well, as far as like the continuity goes, they never showed us that. We didn't see Brother imagine a shed and then dream about a shed. Uh, we know this because they don't ever they don't ever demonstrate that in the books, and that's all we have to go off of. Uh, or, or take the opposite of that. Take uh, Brother's Nightmare in The Berenstain Bears and the Bad Dream. Brother dreams about space grizzlies. Now, space grizzlies are a concept from outside the dreamlands. However, they are an actual physical construct. Brother can touch the space grizzlies. Space grizzlies are an established idea that all bears are aware of, that they, uh, they are... They are 
uh, a product, they are a toy, they are a movie. The space grizzlies exist beyond the dreamlands. They are bigger than the dreamlands. They are not a, a product of the dreamlands. They they are manipulated within the dreamlands, but they are far more easily to manipulate in front of you as, as, as an action figure. Uh, so Brother leaves the dreamlands in that book. He wakes up from his nightmare. The status quo is established. Continuities weren't actually crossed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Nothing was pulled from one place to another. And I'm not talking about our main characters here. Brother doesn't pull himself back and forth across the dreamlands. He he has a projection of himself within the dreamlands that's controlled through his subconscious. That's a whole other thing. However, the green-eyed monster is something else entirely. The green-eyed monster is a concept, a concept that was created outside the dreamlands, yes, but, okay, stick with me. Each person has their own individual concept of the green-eyed monster. Uh, to sister, it is sister. To mama, it is mama. To sister, it is a being that wants brother's bike. To mom, I don't know what mama wants. To papa, it is a being that wants uh, Lizzie Bruin's dad's car. That's the green-eyed monster. Sister brings this firmly established concept, this creature that is that comes complete with personality, with wants and desires and goals into the dreamland in four continuities. Well, three continuities. Let's say it's three continuities. Uh, Berenstain Bears and the Green Eye Monster, Berenstain Bears and the Green Eye Monster animated, Berenstain Bears get jealous. She is suddenly brought into and across that cross-sectioned bear and made thick the notion of the green-eyed monster. Uh, again, of course, other bears know about this, but we do not see that happen in the books. So much so that it intrudes upon a separate story altogether. We see the green-eyed monster appear in the Baron St. Bear's Bermuda Triangle, where we weren't expecting to see it. That's a storybook character. What's it doing in the big chapter books? It's also a representation of sisters. So what, what, what I believe is that the green-eyed monster in the Baron St. Bear's world, Baron St. Bear's universe, is... A modern concept, the modern concept of the tulpa. What Sister has done, and she's done it in a way that we can't produce because we humans only exist within our written continuity, which is reality, which is the reality we live in. But because the bears are fictional characters, that gives them the ability to hop, con they, 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 they hop continuity. They exist, they weave within and out of continuities. Sister has created a tulpa in the world of the Berenstain Bears, and it's a doppelganger tulpa. It's malevolent and frightening and wicked and difficult to get under control. Mama Bear even says in the Berenstain Bears get jealous, although only in the Berenstain Bears get jealous, that the green-eyed monster has bitten Sister the green-eyed monster biting someone is above and beyond what the green-eyed monster has done before. The green-eyed monster before simply influenced people. What it seems to have happened is that the green-eyed monster has gained a little bit of solidity in this world, has gained a little bit more permanence in the world of the Berenstain Bear. Hasn't crossed over into an unrelated continuity yet. That's later with the big chapter books. So what happens in the book is that Sister really wants to be on Brother Bear's bike, she brings the green-eyed monster into the world, dreams about it, crashes the bike, wakes up feeling a little guilty. What happens in this book, though, is different from what happens in the other books. Now, in the other books and in the TV show, Sister is inheriting Brother's old bicycle. He gets an, a super awesome bike with racing stripes. 
But in the Berenstain Bears get jealous. Brother Bear is simply getting a, a bike, and Sister doesn't ha isn't inheriting a bike. She's sticking with her tricycle. What Brother does is he puts training wheels onto his new bike and lets Sister try it out. She realizes she's not ready for a two-wheeled bicycle and sticks with her trike. Setting this book before the Berenstain Bears get jealous. It operates not only in a separate continuity, but in a separate time in that continuity. Sister is younger in this book. And the next time we see the Berenstain Bears green-eyed monster character, Sister is older. And the next time we see it after that, Sister is even older, because that's in the big chapter books. By the time it comes to the PBS special, the PBS series, the green-eyed monster has grown in power. This is telling, because if you watch the Berenstain Bears and the green-eyed monster, and you can pull it up on, uh, on YouTube, that's, it's perfectly, remember, it's perfectly legal, pull it up on YouTube, and take a look at the placement of the green-eyed monster. I know I've, I may have pointed this out before. When the green-eyed monster appears at the foot of Sister Bear's bed, it is in the same position as Bob the Demon in Twin Peaks. Not as a joke. It literally looks like Bob in Twin Peaks. It's, it's at the foot of the bed, and it's peeking, peeking up through the railings. It's pretty terrifying, and Sister is pretty terrified. The green-eyed monster then climbs over the foot of the bed as Sister cowers under the covers and crawls slowly towards her. It's hunched. It's a golem-like figure. It looks like Sister, only superficially. Uh, it behaves like Sister, not at all. They go outside, and the story continues that way. I don't think this is a coincidence on the part of, of the filmmakers. I don't think it's a, a coincidence on the part of the writers. I think that they intended to let us know the green-eyed monster, the green-eyed monster exists beyond metaphor by this point. Let's talk about Bob from Twin Peaks. Bob is a spirit, uh, a demon, uh, a possessing spirit. He takes over people's bodies. He does terrible things in Twin Peaks. Theoretically, he comes from the Black Lodge. And what else do we know comes from the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks? The doppelgangers of, of, of our characters up to and including uh, Agent Dale Cooper. I think what we're dealing with here, and I'm getting a buzzing in my head, but let's just let's just wrap this up. What if the Berenstain Bears have their own Black Lodge? Not that any of the characters have ever visited it, but what if it exists just outside of town? What if it exists at the foot of Great Grizzly Mountain? What if where the Black Lodge once stood or where the Black Lodge stands is a sort of gateway where things come through. I think that's kind of the point of it. And what if in bear country there is another gateway where things come through? And sometimes the influence of that gateway can be felt reverberating throughout the books. Now, we've noticed it before, but I'm noticing it again. The green-eyed monster isn't a metaphor anymore. It's a tulpa created by Sister Bear. It's vanquished in the end of the story, more or less, but it exists within continuity now. 
And since it can exist both in and out of consciousness, in and out of the dream worlds, and has been pulled through continuities, it has been granted freedom to move between continuities. It's not a good spirit. It's not a friendly spirit. And it is ultimately destructive in its presence. I want to believe that it comes through the standing stones at the base of Great Grizzly Mountain. It's a monster. There's a creature in bear country. It's green. Its eyes do not look like the eyes of any living being. It sows discontent in the hearts of our bears. It makes them want, desire, crave. It makes them want to consume. It's called the green-eyed monster, and it is very, very hungry. (laughs) 